Selamat datang kembali semuanya. Welcome to episode 8 of season 3 of the Indo Techno podcast. I'm Alan Hallowell, founder of Southeast Asia startup consultancy Gizmo Advisors. Now, few people are aware, or at least I had no awareness of this, that one of the largest consumer financial flows in Indonesia is actually amongst the country's overseas workers. It is only recently that we have seen much innovation in this very financially meaningful but acutely underserved demographic. We're therefore extremely pleased to have join us today, Diana Yermoleva, CEO and co-founder of GPay, who will be able to describe GPay's initiatives focused on empowering these domestic workers to take control of their finances. Diana, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So Diana, secondary school in the UK, University-level education divided across Southern California, Italy, and Hong Kong. So naturally, you are from... I'm from Ukraine, uh, so neither of the above. Yeah, I kind of knew that. Was really just driving for a dramatic surprise and structuring that first question as I did. But seriously, I just want to tell you how very deeply you and your compatriots are in the thoughts of at least my family and how much we wish Ukraine as speedy a deliverance from this absolute nightmare as is humanly possible. Thank you so much, Alan. That means a lot. So thank you. You're very welcome. Really, two questions about your motherland, Diana, and then we'll move on. I'll come back to my second question, if you don't mind, a little later in the podcast. First, for those in the audience who are itching, like myself, to help out in some way, shape, or form, what in your mind is the best way to assist Ukraine at this point? Do you have a favorite charity or volunteer organization that you can recommend? Of course. So I think one big thing is definitely the Ukrainian people. A lot of them have been displaced. Some of my family, in fact, are in Western Europe, essentially hiding from the war. So I think one thing that a lot of us can do, especially entrepreneurs, is, well, hire Ukrainians. We have incredible tech talent back home. And a lot of these people are now overseas, unemployed and struggling to find jobs. That's definitely one thing. But in terms of charities, I do. This is a bit of a shameless plug because my mother actually runs a charity, but it's called Kiddo, and I can send you some details later. In peacetime, they used to do medical support for underprivileged children. So they used to support kids with cancer or chronic diseases like diabetes. They gave a lot of support to hospitals, but today they've pivoted to medical support across the board. So still to the children, but also their families or the soldiers who need a lot of support at the moment. I can obviously attest to the legitimacy of the charity. And I know they're doing a lot of incredible work in my hometown of Dnipro, but also in other areas of the country. Wow, I did not expect such a firsthand opportunity here. We will be absolutely certain to put all related links in the show notes after the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for that, Diana. Now tell us about GPay. What exactly do we offer today? Of course. So GPay's mission is to empower foreign domestic workers to be financially independent. But the way we've gone about that is actually starting with their employers. So the employers of domestic workers, it's a fancy word, but these are just families, right? These are people in Singapore that have a helper. And so the first product that we rolled out and what's been live for about nine months now is what we call the GPA Mastercard. So there's an app that the employer and the helper can use. The employer can use the app to basically monitor their helper's expenses. 
So they top up through the app, they see all the transactions, spending trends, analytics, and their helper can use a card to spend at a supermarket, the app to spend via pay now at a wet market. And basically it's like a basic spend management system for households. We did that for a number of reasons. Number one, employers struggle to manage their helpers' finances and money is often one of the problem areas when it comes to the relationship between helpers and their employers. But also it's very important for us to bring these employers on board so that they can endorse the things that we want to do later. And that is offer personal finance products directly to domestic workers. So actually just last Friday, we launched our beta of a personal account feature for helpers. So as of now, helpers can open their own GPA accounts in Singapore, receive their salaries into them, and then store that money, spend it locally, remit it overseas, and also create a savings account. So that is what we are going to be scaling for the next year. That's basically what the next six to 12 months of GPA is about. But we have, of course, other products that we'd like to roll out in the future. So I definitely want to be able to touch on those subsequent products on the roadmap later in the show. So what are the incumbent solutions that we are disintermediating with these services? What have these helpers had to do in the past? And what specific benefits do we bring in contrast to these historic practices? Sure. So if we take the household expense management, really, we're just competing with cash. Most people still go to the ATM, withdraw money, get that money to their helper. The helper will bring back receipts. Some employers are more diligent and they'll actually go through the receipts. Some are lazier and they won't do it. But ultimately, it's a bit of a mess because if your helper runs out of money, then you have to sort of up and go and try and give it to her or do the groceries on her behalf. And of course, there is a lack of trust and sometimes stealing as well, which can be problematic. So that's why the GPA expense card was such a big success here in Singapore, because it's kind of a no-brainer. I'm sure that 99% of employers already use debit cards or credit cards in their day-to-day existence. And so GPA is a way to bring that for the whole family. We actually ended up rolling out cards for kids as well, because so many of our employers are obviously also parents. Now, on the helper side of things, we are disintermediating basically Lucky Plaza. While better remittance alternatives are available to the rest of us, transfer-wise and things like that, helpers are not really included in the digital banking world at the moment. And even though they can open bank accounts, normally they still stand in line on their one day off per week and remit money at extortionate rates. Lucky Plaza, by the way, for those who don't live in Singapore, is a shopping center located in the orchard area of Singapore that a lot of helpers frequent for their various financial and other needs. Now, Diana, you mentioned in the GPA literature that there are 70 million domestic workers across the globe that do not have access to financial services. 50% of them are unbanked and 60% are in debt. I can imagine that they are, moreover, as you described them, notoriously difficult to reach. How do we reach them? Sure. So, of course, one is through the employer, and that is what our expense card did. By having the employer buy in to using GPay for managing their household expenses, we brought on board a lot of their helpers. And we do have some helpers which are not actually on the digital platforms. They just use the card and they haven't been using the app. But more than 80% of our active users also use the app itself. So now we can market to them inside the app, which is super powerful because they already trust you. And that's the problem with other financial services. They don't really trust them because they know that a lot of these loan sharks are out to get them. So the employer is one, but I think being personal is definitely the other. While helpers can utilize other financial services, 
the customer support lines of banks don't want to help them. They don't want to speak their language, be that Tagalog or Bahasa Indonesia. And at GPA, we're taking a different approach. Our app will soon be translated into a variety of languages which cater to where helpers come from. Already our card shipping leaflets have information in English, but also in Indonesian and in Tagalog. So I think it's a multi-pronged approach, but part of it is through the employer, part of it is personalization, and it also involving other stakeholders in the industry. So we also work with mate agencies to acquire in bulk. That strategy makes eminent sense. Now, Diana, could you lay out more specific numbers for me and for the selfish purposes of the Indo Techno podcast? What do you estimate the size of the Indonesian worker population in Singapore to be? And what is the size of our current opportunity? Sure. There's 250,000 foreign domestic workers in Singapore and about 150,000. So more than half of those are Indonesian. In terms of Indonesian helpers overseas, there's about 10 million. So it's a huge population. There's also about 10 to 12 million overseas Filipino helpers. So the size of the opportunity, of course, it depends on how you size it, but we believe the total addressable market to be more than $50 billion. Very significant. Okay, Diana. So coming back to my second and last promised Ukraine-related question. Ukraine also has much of its population working overseas. I did some research, and in 2019, for instance, Ukrainian nationals working in Western Europe were the largest external labor force in the EU. So has this at all informed where you have chosen to make your impact as a fintech entrepreneur? The answer is definitely yes, but not in a very obvious way. So of course, since I'm not doing this in Europe, we're not targeting any Ukrainian customers here in Singapore. But I think my own experience as a Ukrainian overseas has informed some of the pain points that our customers are facing today. As you pointed out, I've traveled around quite a bit. I've lived in a bunch of different countries. And honestly, opening a bank account overseas, even as a sort of quote unquote educated foreigner, right, with 10 forms of IDs and a bunch of degrees to prove my legitimacy, it's still hard. I had to go back to the DBS branch three times before they finally opened my account. And so I can really empathize with the pain point that these people are facing. I think being overseas is scary. Being the breadwinner of your family who is going overseas to support all the rest of them, but really you're just scared anyway. It can be quite tricky. And I think having experienced moving and setting up a life and setting up my personal finances in different countries more than once has definitely helped me understand the pain points and the ways in which I wish companies had addressed it when I was a student overseas or something like that. Yeah, the pain of those multiple visits to DBS to open my own account is still fresh in my mind. Now, our target, on the other hand, is maybe euphemistically speaking, not particularly digitally literate and probably not the most financially literate demographic. How do we solve this at GPay? This one makes me angry. I think that there's this common misconception that helpers are digitally illiterate, and that's not true. All of them are super active users of social media, of mobile phones. All of them have smartphones. And that makes sense because they live abroad, so they need to connect with their families somehow. And they learn how to use smartphones and social media and so on and so forth. So I think digitally, they're pretty literate. Financially, of course, things are different. Helpers do struggle to understand concepts like savings or interest rates. And often remittance companies are able to game with them on remittance rates and things like that. But the fact that they are digitally savvy really helps us. So 
What we try to do at GPay is really simplify financial aspects of the apps and recreate in the app digital versions of analog flows they're already familiar with. Let me explain that better. When we did user testing, for example, we went to our remittance flow in the app and the helper that we were testing with or helpers, they would struggle with the initial account creation or with some flows like how to extract your bank account details to get them to your employer. But when we hit the remittance flow, every single one of them, even the worst in terms of digital literacy, whizzed through it. And she knew exactly what to input into each field. And I was shocked. I was like, how do you know all of this information? Some of it is pretty complex. Relationship with recipients, purpose of transfer. These words are complex. And she said, when I go to Lucky Plaza, there's a form that I've been filling out for 10 years. And the fields on that form are exactly the same as the fields on your app. So that really inspired me and everyone at GPay. And now when we do our product development, instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, we really just try to copy paste what helpers are already familiar with, but on the app. And then we see that it works. And just to add on to my previous point regarding digital literacy, because they're already familiar with a lot of social media apps, we try to include that into our experience as much as possible. So instead of using complex chatbots or things like that for customer support, we just do it through WhatsApp. And so helpers are able to WhatsApp us the same way that they would WhatsApp their friends and families. They'll reach out to our customer support line and they'll often say, hey, Diana, because a lot of our automated messages end with thank you, Diana from GPay. So it's actually pretty personal and they're not afraid of reaching out. First, I want to say that I stand corrected and chastened in my erroneous assumptions around digital literacy amongst helpers. It's very encouraging to hear your profile of how they are actually quite digitally literate. Now, educate us further. Diana, what does the average Indonesian domestic user do with her or I guess even his salary? Sure. So usually about 60% of the salary will be remitted back to the home country. And that will be done in either one or two transfers. And then for the rest, helpers will normally spend it in Singapore or hopefully save some of the amount. But unfortunately, it's very rare for helpers to save more than 5% of their salary. Understand. Now, we recently discussed over coffee your plans to allow these workers to borrow. How do we plan to enable this? Absolutely. The goal is to be better than the loan sharks. So unfortunately, the standard is set quite low and we're trying to compete with that, of course, very aggressively. The answer is data. Right now, no one is really credit scoring domestic workers. Loan sharks just charge them extortionate rates, but they don't really try to understand how much they're really earning or what their spending patterns are. So GPay, we have access to data that nobody else does. We know who their employer is. We know how much they're being paid, and we also know how and what they're spending on. And so this allows us to calculate much better interest rates in the future. This isn't a product of slide yet. A subsection, I would say, of lending that we'd like to get into is earned wage access as well. And here we have the sort of advantage of having the employer who is able to confirm to us things like whether the helper is still working for them or how long they have been with this helper. There are interesting data points which apply only in this industry. So for example, foreign domestic work contracts are 24 months long, and this is pretty standard across Southeast Asia. So it's the case both in Singapore, Hong Kong, and the UAE. And so about 30, 40% of helpers will get dismissed in the first 12 months of that contract. But if they manage to stay for beyond the 12th month, then their credit worthiness basically triples. And it's these very niche points that we're able to learn about and extract in order to lend to them at much better interest rates. Okay, so you've answered a lot of the question I had in mind to ask next. 
but I still wanted to ask it and dig more deeply into this. On the subject of borrowing, one of my favorite topics on the Indotechno program is serving the unbanked and specifically the tools we need to do that beneficially. Let's talk about the criticality of data and of credit scoring, or really the basic analysis performed by lenders and financial institutions to determine the creditworthiness of a potential borrower. Where do we gather the all-important data points in credit scoring to determine whether and how much to loan to, moreover, what is not exactly as digitally native demographic as others? Definitely. I think the key here is having a chain of events in your data collection. The problem for for domestic workers is that they leave their home countries. And so if an Indonesian helper had a bank account in her home country, in her village, and she already had a credit score there, that credit score will not apply in Singapore. And if she then goes and works in Hong Kong instead, whatever was collected in Singapore will not apply in Hong Kong. So as a result, lenders are not able to effectively lend to migrants in Southeast Asia because the data is broken up across countries and then you can't share it easily and no one wants to share it. So it becomes a whole big mess. So at GFA, what we hope to create is essentially a track record for each of these helpers. We will be storing information about how long they have been with each employer and so on and so forth. We have that from the app because, for example, when a helper is linked to an employer, we have a record of that. And then when she's linked to a different employer or unlinked from her employer, we can assume that she has left the job. So a lot of it is about collecting history, not just about spending patterns, but about where this helper has been and what is her employment history like. Understood. Now, you also mentioned earlier in the podcast about how we can offer similar products for kids. Tell us more about that. Sure. So obviously kids and helpers have very different financial needs. With kids, it's all about learning and education. With helpers, it's a lot more pressing. Like I need to send my family money home or there is an emergency and my family needs money. So I think the base layer product that we have, which is the expense card, is the same. As a parent, you might give money to your kid to spend. And as an employer, you might give money to your helper to spend. So that's why our expense card applies to both. But we aren't focusing on kids per se at GPay. Because I think once you go one layer deeper, it's going to be very difficult for us to serve the two or the three at the same time. But having kids cards really allows us to make employers super sticky. Because once an employer is using a GPay card, not just for their helper, but also for their two or three children, that's a power user for us. Now, shifting on to another topic, I just read on the International Labor Organization or ILO website that Indonesian domestic workers represent the single largest group of female salaried workers contributing to the household of others in their own country or abroad. Again, domestic workers are the largest category of female Indonesian workers. Where else can we serve the overseas Indonesian worker? In other words, what markets are you looking at outside of Singapore? Absolutely. So here, closer in Southeast Asia, of course, Singapore, Malaysia, Hong Kong, Taiwan, but going slightly to the West, the UAE, Qatar, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia are some of the biggest markets. The key for GPay is that the workers we serve need to be foreign, like you said. And the vast majority of that is either Indonesian or Filipino. So there are other countries like, let's say, Bangladesh, which also have so many domestic workers. But we're not actually chasing those customers because they are local and they don't have the same financial needs because they don't remit or they don't have this lack of data problem in the same way because they've always been in the same country. 
So we're really focusing on countries that are high-income nations where foreign work is very prevalent, which are the ones I listed just now. Got you. Now, I noticed that we work with some very interesting partners, such as MasterCard and Rapid. How are we working with these two groups? MasterCard, these are cards, are MasterCard. So we have a prepaid consumer bin with them. And Rapid, we work with for a lot of our payment stuff, basically. They hold a major payments institution license, so our wallets are stored with them. And they also help us set up our card issuing scheme because we're not a licensed entity at the moment. So essentially, we're working with a number of partners via these kind of plug-and-play solutions to get our product off the ground without having to face strict licensing requirements. But now that we're growing, now that we're scaling, now that we've raised some funds, we are going to have to encounter those challenges as well. And I think in the next year or two, we're going to have to start thinking about getting our own license as well. Understood. Now, generally speaking, Diana, how does GPay make money today and where will it derive revenues from in the future? So at the moment, we obviously have interchange as well as subscription fees. We don't charge for the first card, which is a growth hack, but we do charge $3 per month for any additional cards to employers. As of last Friday, we also charge remittance fees to helpers. And in the future, the biggest earning opportunity here lies, of course, in the lending space. So things like lending and insurance will probably be our bigger revenue drivers in years to come. Far more potential sources of revenues than I would have anticipated. Well, Diana, one of the most enlightening discussions that we've had on the Indo-Techno podcast, really appreciate the facts, the figures, and the themes around a pretty darn important financial flow as it relates to Indonesia being that of the overseas worker. Thanks so much for joining us. Jakuyu. Did I say that right? Jakuyu. Jakuyu. Okay, I'll work on it. Jakuyu. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. You're very welcome. And we hope our listeners have enjoyed today's episode. As always, please consider sharing any feedback that you have about the Indotechno podcast with us. Terima kasih telah mendengarkan. Sampai jumpa lagi.